participating in the Lord's Supper. And I say participating because you're going to get to be a part. And you're going to need to do your part. All of us have a responsibility to be right with the Lord and not partake in an unworthy manner, not uh, having anything in our hearts that we've withholding or that we're withholding uh, from the Lord. We think we may be hiding something from him, but there's no way to do that because he knows everything about everything. He knows all about us. He knows what we're thinking at this moment and what we were thinking 30 minutes ago and what we're going to be thinking about tomorrow. He just knows it all. So it's exciting to realize that we come before an almighty God that cared enough to allow his son to die on the cross for each one of us. Because I'm going to tell you what, if you just really would be real honest if you just be really honest, don't you think it would be difficult for you or for me or for us to forgive the sins of the whole world? I mean, the way people are, the way they think, the things they're involved in, their mannerisms, their habits, their just their uh, it's it's sinful. And so as a human, I find it despicable. As a human, I find it difficult to think that they could ever be forgiven. But you see, that's not the way God looks at things. He's, he looks at it all together differently. And so <clears throat> as we think about the Lord's Supper, it's important that we do confess every single thing that, that we know. And the Holy Spirit will bring to your mind Things that are unchristlike attitudes, um, thoughts, whatever it might be that you even now, I mean, he could be bringing something to your mind and cause you to um, uh, want to confess that and deal with that now. In fact, we're going to combine the prayerful meditation. I'm going to say a few words, then we're going to have our prayerful meditation, then we'll have the Lord's Supper, okay, just so we're on the same page. So I was thinking about the Apostle Paul and, and just there's so many aspects, there's so many areas of the Christian life. One is forgiving one another. And um, I, I can't imagine, and, and I don't think we can really, really appreciate what a hated man the Apostle Paul was at one time. He, he was... I mean, he persecuted the church. He was responsible. He applauded. He cheered. He, he made sure bad things happened to people that professed Christ. And so he was, the, he was the big, he was so responsible behind so much of the persecution. And yet once he got saved, then the Christians were expected to forgive him. And I'm going to tell you, let's just be really honest with each other. How easy would it be to forgive someone that was responsible for your loved one being put to death because of their faith? How could you, how could you forgive that person just so quickly, so easily? Nobody said it was going to be easy, but by the, by the blood of the Lamb... And through conversion, genuine being born again, uh, we're able to forgive each other. 
And the Apostle Paul did write about his life, about some things about his life. He did tell about his life. In Philippians chapter 3, if you'll turn there, I'd like to read some verses. They're very familiar verses. Surely by now, most of the New Testament is pretty familiar to all of us. <clears throat> but he was speaking about his life. The things that he once held dear. The things that he once felt like were important to him. Philippians chapter 3. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. You see, there are probably a hundred sermons in these verses we're going to read. Rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, it, to me indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs. Beware of dogs. You know, in our first pastorate, our, our folks had, um, some of them had a little different view of some scriptural teachings. Uh, in the Old Testament, it talks about not putting the price of a dog, not, not tithing or not giving off the price of a dog, and, and not to go into it because of the children, but you look that up what the dog, in the Old Testament, what they were referring to. And, but there were people in the country church where we first pastored, that honestly believed it was wrong scripturally to buy a dog or sell a dog. And they also said, and this was, I mean, this is, we were in this lady's living room. She was a pillar of the church. And we're in her living room. And I promise you, she told us, Linda and I, she told us, Black people don't have a soul. They're like our mules. We treat them good. We treat them right, but they don't really have souls. This was a pillar of the church. This was a lady in the church. She really believed that. And they had in their minutes that if a black person walked into our church, that Someone would stand, have prayer, and dismiss. And I was actually reaching out to some uh, guys that were going to a technical school in Waco, and I was going in my little gremlin and picking them up and bringing them to church. And I got, I was reproved for bringing this one black fella, and his daddy was a preacher. He wasn't wanting to join the church, he just wanted to attend. And I got in all kind of trouble with the church, the leadership. Because in their minds, they had all these things. So, beware of dogs, not pit bulls. Beware of evil workers. See the combination? Beware of concision. These are folks that were pharisaical. They are, have bad motives. Teaching, using religious demeanor and religious activity in substitution for the real, genuine salvation. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. 
Now he starts telling about his life. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. I had more confidence than anybody in the flesh because I've done more things in the religious circles according to the flesh. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, and here it is, this is what I was referring to earlier, concerning zeal, persecuting the church. Persecuting the church. He didn't just do it, you know, like half-heartedly, halfway. He went all out. He was behind the suffering and the persecution of so many genuine believers. It was his, that's what he felt like it was his mission in life, was to persecute the church. Touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those things that he felt like he had checked the boxes of his religious life, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge. And this word is more than just head knowledge. It's more than just information. It's a relationship, a permanent relationship. Knowing and receiving and believing. The excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. He personalizes it. He is his Lord. Lord means Jesus is in charge. He's in control. He's the Lord. He's the boss. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ and be found in him, and not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him. This, this is a beautiful passage dealing with initial salvation, which starts at the beginning, when you first realize you're lost and you, and you need a Savior and you receive Christ. But it's an ongoing daily relationship of knowing Him more today than you did yesterday. Knowing Him more this year than we did in 2021. We know Him. I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His suffering being made conformable unto His death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Will preached on this last week. It's a beautiful passage. One of my favorites for the first Sunday of the new year. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after. That word follow after, I don't know if any of you ever had the privilege of actually being out in the woods and, and being behind a pack of hounds. Anybody, let's just see, anybody ever had that experience? You've ever been behind beagles or been behind some kind of hounds or something, and they're just, whoo, 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 you're going after. And you know, if you're really into it, you really, you really get excited over the sound. It's that sound. This, this word, it is incredible. 
I follow after that which I have apprehended, that for which also I'm apprehended of Christ. The hound, I've always referred to this as the hounds of heaven. God, once you get saved, God stays after us. He goes on, He stays after us. We can turn aside, we can, you know, turn our back, but He pursues. And we ought to be pursuing Him. We ought to be following after Him. But I follow after that. After if that I may apprehend that for which also I'm apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting the things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. And press, press toward the mark of the prize, the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That's a wonderful message for the new year, realizing that all of our efforts, and there are so many, there are some really decent people that have been misled in different denominations that they can work their way to heaven. And, and it's, it's wonderful and glorious when they discover all of a sudden, I can't work my way to heaven but the only way to get to heaven is by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ because He's already done all the work. He's already done all the work. When He said on the cross, it is finished, there's a whole lot to that statement. But when He said it is finished, He meant it is finished. All the work, all the effort, all the payment, everything is done. Now it's up to you to believe, to trust. And so, yes, the Apostle Paul did talk about his life, his past life, talked about where he had been, what he held dear. But then he talked about his conversion, how he changed. His life was in Christ, and he was pursuing his Lord and Savior. And so let's today, as we think about, before we partake of the Lord's Supper, let's think about where we are. Are we as hot-hearted? I mean, these words, they all, if you do a good research, do some good study, you'll see these words mean something. There's a drive. There's, there's a pursuit. There's an unction. There's a zeal. There's a, 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 a push, if you will. It's not a fleshly. It's, it's a genuine desire in us, put in us by God to really pursue knowing Christ better. And that ought to be our goal for this year. And all of us, all of us have to confess and say, you know, I just didn't do the best job I could have. But I like that little, that little button, please be patient with me because God isn't finished with me yet. We've got a long way to go, but I don't know how much time we all have. So let's just take advantage of this moment that we have. We're going to have the reading of the Scripture in our passage in Luke, so if you'll turn there, I'm going to read that. Then we're going to have our prayerful meditation time to allow us time to um, examine ourselves and, and deal with the Lord and allow Him to show us things and we can confess whatever He brings to mind. And then after the prayerful meditation, then we'll have the families come forward 
and partake of the Lord's Supper. And then when everyone's through, then I'll come and, uh, and, and have my Lord's Supper. But uh, we'll let you go first today. And so this is found in Luke 22, beginning in verse 14. And when the hour was come, he sat down and the twelve apostles with him. And he said unto them, with desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took bread and gave thanks and break it and gave unto them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. This is a privilege. This is an opportunity. This is as close to drawing your squiggly line as I can think of. This is the time where you can say, Lord, I've, I've not done everything just exactly right. I know there's some relationship issues I need to deal with. I, I, whatever. Whatever it is that the Holy Spirit will bring to your mind, let's deal with it now and confess it now. And then joyfully, excitedly, partake of the Lord's Supper. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the Lord Jesus, for his sacrifice, for your love, your demonstration of loving us, a sin-sick world. You loved us so much that you allowed your only son to become uh, sin for us. He died in our place. He took our place on Calvary. It should have been us who died there, but he did. He took our place. And he paid the, the penalty for our sin. And thank you, Father, that he was placed in that tomb and was raised the third day victorious over death, hell, and the grave. Pray now that you would inspire us, that you would encourage us, that, 